0: Oh, hey! I'm glad you're here. If you're listening to this at the time of this recording, it's October, and that means it's time for 31 and 31. That's when people watch at least one horror movie each day throughout this spooky month, and I love it. I theme the days of the week, I program out a month of new watches, and a few revisits to old haunts. Please feel free to tag me online on Instagram at VHUS underscore podcast, Twitter, VHUS underscore podcast, any of the new platforms, or email me directly. The show email is dirk.marshall at marshallshotesauce.com. That's marshalls, H A U T E S A U C E.com. I'd love to hear from you. People who know me know I'm not a judgy person, so if you're watching quote unquote deep cuts or mainstream horror, I don't care. I just like to hear about what you love. Also, if you want any recommendations, let me know. I dig around a lot in various genres, and getting to share those rare titles really makes it worthwhile. Also yesterday, an episode on New World Pictures Podcast came out, and it features me, little old me. It's always an absolute joy to join Mark, Erica, and Brian on the New World Pictures Podcast. I'm kidding. His name's Ryan. Just a spooky October break. I am so mischievous. But seriously, check out the New World Pictures podcast as we talk zombie nightmare. I'll be popping up on a few other podcasts, so keep your eyes peeled for that. This episode was a really fun one to record. The guest is a legend of podcasting, a chaos agent on numerous podcasts, but someone who does really important work, which results in amplifying voices of wonderful artists and filmmakers. So be sure to check out everything this person has going on. Naturally, I, I couldn't wait to have them on VHS, and I hope you enjoy this heartthrob heavy, horror tastic, scholastic show. So let's get right to it. The episode, it's a new format. Our guest is Billy Ray, and this is VHS.
1: Hello and welcome to VHS. I'm your host Dirk Marshall and this season is the season of chaos season 13 and our guest for this episode has brought chaos many a time to the screen drafts podcast. He's host of the movie mixtapes and incinerator and much much more. It's Billy Ray Bruton. Thank you for being here.
2: Oh it's my pleasure. I like being associated with the word chaos. That's kind of my brand. From the earliest listens for me of screen
1: drafts that's just what people were saying about you like this legend of what Billy Ray brings to it and that's what I really appreciate about what you do is that I have no idea what you're going to do at any given point but it comes from a place of authenticity it seems thank you thank
0: you
2: yes that's what I like to think I mean I mean yes I play the game sometimes on screen drafts but (laughs) I generally am not playing something that I can't justify right
1: yes exactly for those listening who may have not heard your podcast would you mind just saying a little bit about that
2: sure sure so the og podcast is the incinerator it's a movie competition game that i host with my buddy ryan verrill so we bring on two guests each episode they're essentially ranking films but the way we rank is by throwing them into the incinerator destroying them for future generations And uh, so you take turns incinerating films until there's only one left unscathed. There's also an engineer and landmines. It's the Dune board game of podcasts. So it's very complicated, but we hope a fun way. And then I also host movie mixtapes, which is a much different podcast. I bring on a different guest every week. We tackle a different theme and then we kind of curate a quote unquote movie mixtape for the audience based off of that theme. And they're much shorter, hour-long episodes, generally. You were on movie mix tapes. So yeah, so very different pods, but that's kind of what I, I, I do these days, apart from being on screen drafts, probably far too much. Wonderful.
1: So the theme for this episode is one that you brought to the table. <laughs> Would you please share with us what that was?
2: You know, it's kind of the topic that I've always wanted to discuss, but never have. It's 80s horror guys who made me gay. Yeah. So it is the hot 80s horror hunks that set my young little queer southern horror obsessed heart on fire.
1: Yeah, I love this. The second you mentioned the, the idea, I was like, I'm all in. This is going to be really, really fun. And just so people know, this will be all about you, as I don't think anybody wants to hear how maybe I was too young to see the ending of The Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf, and how it probably convinced me I'm a dog person.
2: But Oh, well, I can understand that, actually. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So first, could you please tell us a little bit about what you do with $3 Bill Cinema?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, So I'm the managing director of $3 Bill Cinema. I kind of do a little bit of everything. Basically, I'm responsible to make sure that organization survives. But I also do development and marketing and sponsorships and programming. Uh, We have an amazing programmer, but I help out every now and again when it's appropriate but yeah i mean i kind of do a little bit of everything three dollar bill cinema does the seattle queer film festival translation seattle trans film festival we do a an amazing summer camp every august for queer teens in the pacific northwest area outdoor cinema we just closed that up we we've been around 28 years but i've only been here since 2021 but really amazing organization that does a lot of good in the pacific northwest so very happy about that
1: that's absolutely fantastic and i'm so glad that We could mention it on here before getting kind of silly, but first one more poignant thing. I was recently reading, so one of my favorite directors is Derek Jarman, and I read his memoirs. I just find them very wonderful, and in there he was understanding who he was as a gay man around the age of nine. Do you have a clear memory of being like, oh, this is me?
2: Yeah, I do. I think the earliest that I started realizing it, I my best friend all through elementary school, I'm not going to give their actual name right now, but I'll yeah. just say, let's call him Barry. Okay. Never once dated a Barry, can't possibly confuse anybody. I had a huge crush on my best friend when I, as a lot of gay kids do, right? And I remember we had gone on this school trip to New York And it was actually more than just New York. We were going to seeing a lot of historical places like Philadelphia and all that stuff. And we shared a hotel room. And, you know, at that point, I feel like we were, I actually think we were nine or ten when this happened. And we were sharing a hotel room. And we shared a bed, too, because, you know, you're kids. You share beds. And it was like, and I just remember being compelled to, like, slowly inch myself closer to him. Yeah and I didn't really know why other than it was just comforting to me, and so that was probably the very first idea where I had of like, huh, I didn't know what it was necessarily, but I was like, that's interesting, and then, you know, I came out when I was 12, 13, so it wasn't that much longer when I started actually like really like telling people, not like why. like it wasn't a situation where like, I started I started coming out slowly when I was about 13 but I didn't stop coming out till I was about 19 probably. Gosh. So it was a slow progression with certain people, certain people knew, certain people didn't and then people would just kind of get added on as I felt comfortable enough to tell them cuz growing up in the deep south you don't know. I was fortunate enough that I never lost a single friend, I never lost a single parent of a friend, like I didn't lose anybody through that process. Family was down Yeah, I mean, my mom certainly was. We waited a while to tell my dad, I'll be clear. I've never really had the dad I'm gay conversation with him, but he knows, and it's fine, and I don't need to have that conversation. Like, I know some people need that catharsis. Like, I don't, and we're fine. I feel fortunate that I didn't lose anybody, because it is the Deep South, and I'm certainly the exception, not the rule. But yeah, that's kind of when I first started noticing I can vividly remember that hotel room in New York. I remember because we had just literally ran through the halls, like knocking on people's doors and doing the stupid shit that you do when you're tan. Yeah. yeah. And then we're just exhausted. I, just, I remember that night, like the back of my hand. Wow.
1: That's amazing.
2: Yeah. It's just something I, I,
1: in reading the book, I was just like, oh my gosh, it's just so fascinating that to have that sort of epiphany about oneself. And uh, I was talking to someone who remembered when they were a kid before realizing that and being confused watching movies because they didn't understand the coupling of yeah and just being like well this isn't interesting to me at all and then you know once they have a realization of who they are they're like oh that's why okay yeah
2: Got yeah it. i i knew something was up i just didn't know what it was and the more i went on and the more i went on and like i actually credit the movie philadelphia actually Mm -hmm. frankly for a lot of it like that was the first time I remember seeing a film that directly addressed how I felt yeah I just hadn't seen any other of the like the 80s queer canon of course I wouldn't have I would have you know they wouldn't have had it at my local video store right I remember seeing Philadelphia and that being like oh it's because I probably like other guys yeah yeah that was it so I do credit that movie I mean I love that movie in general but I do credit that film with with really kind of at least putting a visual on what I was feeling. Yeah,
1: I, uh, I had a friend in high school, probably the only gay man I knew for, well, until I graduated high school at least. I had showed him Derek Jarman's Angelic Conversation. And he was like, I don't understand that this exists. Cause, you know, we were in a small town and he didn't know that there was gay cinema. And so he was just like, this is just the portrayal of two men in love. Like, what is happening here? And it's like, you know, it's, yeah. it, the power of movies—it's—it's it's really profound. I just wanted to have a a, a serious note. No, absolutely. I, I like
2: I like I like getting into serious stuff. I don't yeah. mind that. Yeah, perfect.
1: All right. Well, let's just jump right in and please share what homicidal hottie is
2: your number ten. Oh wow. Um. So it's funny. So I told the story about the hotel room because the reason this guy is on the list is because he reminds me so much of. My best friend from elementary school, just in, like, very much in the hair. And so it's the character of Paul Conway, played by Matthew Laberteau from Wes Craven's Deadly Friend. And so this was Wes Craven's mid-80s film about a, a kind of young robotic whiz who the girl he's got a crush on is killed by her abusive father so he implants this microchip in her head but unfortunately it turns her into a killing machine and so matthew laberto maybe people don't know but he plays alfred Ingalls. is it alfred no it's uh anyway the son the adopted son on little house on the prairie and so this was kind of one of his big outputs in the 80s and yeah you know i'm a sucker for the dark-headed guys like uh, a sucker and this would have come out i would when i saw this i probably would have been about nine or ten so it would have hit me i mean most of these films frankly that are on this list are going to be i will have probably seen when i was anywhere from eight to ten so in about a two or three year range right when i was really starting to figure things out so that's why they're probably on this list but yeah um i i you know i tend to like guys who are a little uh cocky to a fault sometimes and this okay. character certainly plays into that but this is all i just gotta be clear this is all the similarities to my friends in my best friend that's the only reason this is on that list
1: so that's patrick Laberto's brother i believe correct yeah correct. they were both on the angles show i believe
2: matthew played the adopted son of the angles and then patrick played i believe one of the husbands i don't remember it's been a while since i've watched little house he was a little boy i don't remember yeah, I, don't remember either. Yeah. I don't remember
1: either. I don't remember either. It's been so long. Yeah, so long. I remember Michael Landon, and uh, that's almost all of it. So, yeah,
2: yeah. I remember having a crush on him when I was younger, and now I know exactly why.
1: Yep, there it is. Okay, perfect. Which brings us to the number nine choice. So please tell us which salacious stud slaughtered your loins.
2: Wow, uh, it's been a while since I, my loins have gotten a good slaughtering. This one is a bit of an outlier pick i tend to also go i mean this falls right into the dark-headed camp but i also tend to go sometimes for like weird i don't know interesting looking guys right so i'm picking the character of arnie cunningham played by keith gordon in john carpenter's christine predominantly when he becomes badass arnie yeah yep and it's just hot like keith gordon did keith gordon was a hottie when i was younger like he was like hell yeah i loved this film when i was a kid it was it was one of those films i just watched over and over and over again and in large part because he electrified my loins yeah yes yeah i'm
1: not even a car guy and i watched this movie a ton basically for that performance it's it's such a good turn when he becomes badass it's just like it's christine
2: he plays it so well and i just like dark-headed pale guys i can't help it like that's (laughs) that's my jam and so, uh, you know, Arnie could be higher, but my number one falls into that same category mm-hmm. and is deserves every bit of the number one spot. So that is perfect. Great.
1: And this goes right into the number eight slot. So which bone chilling beefcake bore their brutal boogeyman barbs into Billy Ray's
2: bosom? I'm glad that these are happening new, each <laughs> one. I knew that I wanted to represent my horror franchises from when I was a kid. And this is one... It's not my favorite from this franchise, but obviously I like him enough to put him in my top 10. Mm-hmm. There's only one Tommy Jarvis for me, played by John Shepard in Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. Yep. He's the hottest Tommy. No offense to Tom Matthews, but like <laughs> he's clearly, clearly the hottest Tommy. And when I was a kid, Corey Feldman did not do it for me. Mm-hmm. It's the introversion. It's the quietness. It's that brooding intensity. And I also just think, you know, for the – pretty cool 80s haircut too tommy jarvis yeah
1: that's who comes back in the new trilogy right is that the guy that starts chanting that evil dies tonight or is that a different tommy
2: oh i'm no i'm talking friday the 13th
1: oh i'm talking about halloween
2: yeah 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 oh hold on i don't even know who no, no tommy jarvis Corey feldman played him in four john Shepard played him in five tom matthews played him in six Oh, what. Wow. So, okay. so this is the Wild Friday the 13th the one with like the crazy rednecks and like that takes place at the Halfway House for troubled teens. Tommy gets brought there obviously after the horrors of Final Chapter. Yeah, really big fan of of that. I think it's a great performance, but I also just think visually John Shepherd back at that time was uh was doing it for me. Was really bringing the heat.
1: Okay, there he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice set of teeth on that man. Yes. Big fan, big fan of that Tommy Jarvis. I admittedly, this is I'm going to lose my horror movie card. I haven't seen the Friday the Thirteenth movies since they were like new. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah, have yeah. them all, and this year I'm going to watch them all again. But you know, I saw ten when it was in the theaters. I saw it one time. I just I'm due for a rewatch on all these things. But you've you clearly lost your horror cred. So yeah, I know that's it's right.
2: done. It's done. I've been losing creds left and right lately. Okay, perfect. So but in fairness, I think you were thinking Tommy Doyle, yeah, and not Tommy, Tommy Jarvis. Doyle. Yeah. Well, I think I've that's where the knows. confusion was. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it said so much because
1: of those new films, but right, okay, well, now I got uh, all about Tommy Jarvis. Perfect. Well, we've now reached the number seven. So Billy Ray, please tell us which fiendish foe had you fantasizing over there, Frisky, flexible flesh. Well, so let's be
2: clear. I'm going to talk about a couple people on here that you're going to be like, oh, my God, you're talking about a 10-year-old. Keep in mind, you're I was a a at, I was around the same age at the time. I'm not saying that I'm attracted to <laughs> 10-year-old them now. Yes. But so my number seven is Paul, played by Christopher Collett from Sleepaway Camp. Oh, OK. Yeah, and I had a big crush on Christopher Collett in the 80s. And going into the 90s, also into like Prayer of the Roller Boys, which I think he's really, really yeah. attractive in. I would have saw this for the first time probably when I was eight, and he would have been, you know, at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, just I, – I Paul's my favorite character in that movie anyway. You know, what can I say? There's not a whole lot I can say about it. Other he just did it for me back then, uh, more so as he got older, but those were kind of early 90s, so I couldn't really include them. But I was like, you still had a crush on him in Sleepaway Camp, so you can include that one.
1: And that was Paul? Yeah, place oh, Paul. Yeah, look at the curly hair. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, he's These he's a, adorable. Adorable. Yeah, you know, I haven't seen Prayer for the Roller Boys in a very long time, and I'm wondering if I need to go back there.
2: It's fun.
1: It, it's not a good movie, but it's fun. I remember slow-mo shot of them wearing, like, coats and roller skating down the street, I think. Yeah. That's exactly right. With (laughs) machine guns. Don't forget the machine guns. (laughs) I didn't know they had machine guns. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, here we are at number six, and there can only be one supple satanic son of a gun slaying your heart with their scandalous spooky spirit. So which one
2: is it? Number six with a bullet. Caleb Colton, played by Adrian Pazdar in Near Dark. Oh, yeah. Just like the hunkiest hunk of 80s hunks mm-hmm. like the bro- the brooding and you know i got it for pale guys so as it gets paler and paler in the movie it just keeps I'm doing it Taylor. for me yeah um yeah I, I you know i mean look let's be clear bill paxton's got this trashy hotness to him in that movie too yeah but it's all Pazdar, and it's sad Pazdar didn't have a great career after that but like uh, i was shocked. just had the looks for it, like absolutely had yeah. the movie star looks. He just couldn't quite I don't know that I mean he's great in the film too. Like he's axed the hell out of that role. Like he's really good in it. It's a shame it didn't lead to more, but um but yeah, he's just like the dreamy is the word. He's like the dreamy hot.
1: Yeah. I mean, that movie is so well put together and shot. I mean, everyone looks great in it constantly. Yeah. I mean there isn't a moment that you're like, I don't know about that vampire. It's like Lance Henriksen's amazing and Bill yep. Paxton. I mean, the whole cast. Excellent pick. So things have really heated up here. And so perhaps we should cool off with a game, as I know you love a game. Oh, I Bell- love a good game. Billy Ray, are you ready to play Steel or No Deal? I'm I'm ready for anything. Okay, so I'll provide you with the title and you tell me if it's a Danielle Steele novel, pornography, or both. Okay. And this might be the most challenging game we've played on the podcast, although we did play it one other time with Daniel Steele novels or Eric Roberts movies. And considering he had like 486 oh, kids, it was pretty brutal. But um, here we go. All right. Number one, Daddy. Uh, That's so, a Daniel Steele novel. It is, but it's it's both. Turns out somebody made it. Oh, wait, party. I can do
2: both. I, I forgot. Both. I, I forgot yeah. I can say
1: both. Okay. Oh, yeah. So uh, you're going with both. Yes. Perfect. Yeah, you're right. It is a Daniel Steele novel from 1989 turned into a television movie. It's also a lot of pornography as my search (laughs) turned. Oh my God. An entire category
2: as one would say. All right. Perfect. Number two, Granny Dan. Granny Dan. I know it's a Daniel Steele novel, but I can't imagine that it's a... I'm going to just say it's just a Daniel Steele novel. You are correct. I did not know
1: you knew Daniel Steele novels when I came up with this game. But
2: I literally, I know every Daniel Steele novel. I literally just had a conversation about Daniel Steele with Mitchell on the Patreon the other day. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I grew up with two aunts who, let's just say, I know my Daniel Steele.
1: Wow, this is exciting. Okay, yep. From 1999, A War, An Extraordinary Man, and a Devastating Illness Altered the Course of Her Life. That's Granny Dan. Uh,
2: number three. Okay. Coming Out. Coming Out. That's definitely a Daniel Steele novel. I think it's both. Yes, correct. Okay. 2006
1: novel, the 69th that came out. Of um, course. And also a lot of pornography. <laughs> so there you go. Number four, Pegasus.
2: Pegasus I mean I know it's Daniel Steele I just don't I'm gonna say just Daniel Steele
1: you are excellent at this game it's yeah there we go 14 two widowed men raising kids alone I did find a Pegasus but not a Pegasus so gotcha gotcha different different category okay number five upside down upside
2: down I mean it's definitely a Daniel Steele novel. It's it's coming out next year. Oh my gosh, you're really good. I'm gonna say it's both. <laughs> yeah, it's both.
1: And I had to research really because it was definitely in a lot of titles, but um upside down. Yeah,
2: I, I don't know how much that helped me for people out there, but like <laughs> I can say multitudes people. I know yeah. my Daniel Steele. Um
1: <laughs> it comes out in twenty twenty four. A mother and got- daughter must repair their relationship.
2: She's also got another book called Never Too Late coming out at the end of 2024. It's a two-book right.
1: two year for her. Yeah, it was almost one of these titles, so I'm glad I didn't choose that one. Number six, Special Delivery.
2: Actually, <laughs> that, that can't be a porn. <laughs> surely it can't be. I mean, obviously, it's a Daniel Steele book, but um, I'm going to say it's
1: both. You're right. It's both. Yep. It's her novel from 1997 about two people and what they do when life gives them everything they wanted 20 years later after they expected to find it. And it's both because it turns out a lot of people get deliveries and they're shocked at the packages. Oh, yeah. Yep. Number seven, The
2: Ring. Well, that's absolutely Danielle Steele. It's one of her most popular books from the early 80s. I'm going to say it's both. You're sort
1: of right. I found a bunch of variations on this. Okay. I found The Hole, which is a gay porn parody of The Ring. Mm-hmm. And I found Working The Ring, which is a very different plot to the Daniel Steele book. I would imagine. Yeah, so you you get the point on there. Flawless execution, Billy Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, which brings us
2: to number eight, Jewels. Well, clearly, Danielle Steele is also one of her most popular books. I'm going to say it's just Daniel Steele.
1: Correct! I. This could have gone so many different ways. It's a historical romance. Uh, no movie with this title, but it is a category. You can just look up uh, Jewels, and it's a, it, I'll leave it to people's imagination what it is, but it's it's there for your searches.
2: It's also a miniseries starring Annette O'Toole. Oh, how do you not have a Danielle Steele podcast? i mean i know my danielle Steele. i i do and i've read some of her books i haven't read a ton but I, I have read jewels i've read most of her most popular ones i read secrets i've read you know all of that kind of stuff
1: i was also uh, almost one of the choices today yep yep i know my danielle Steele. oh okay all right number nine
2: the ball at versailles <laughs> Wait, hold on is that a real one you're giving me I don't know if that's a Daniel, I don't know if that's a Daniel Steele.
1: It's either Daniel Steele, pornography, or both. I think it's just pornography. Uh, You were, you were bound to miss one. It's Daniel Steele from 2023. It comes out this year. Oh, wow. I missed that one. Four young, and one night that changes their lives. Nope. Yep. Got that one wrong. No porn by this title. And number 10, Cockaholic 2
2: well that's just porn yes. <laughs> <laughs> if danielle still wrote a book called cockaholic 2 she would have an entirely sec- new second act in her career
1: i don't even know what the search was that i was on but that was one of the titles and i just loved that it was a sequel and so i was like well, that's gotta that's a good one that's so good that and i love that there's a porn parody of the ring that's just bound to happen the premise of that is it, it doesn't involve a lady in a well at all. It just you watch
2: the video and then seven days later, you're gay. Oh, well, I, may, I mean, that's kind of the way it works in real life. That's kind of the way it works in real life. You watch Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, seven days later, you're gay.
1: Oh, my gosh. Talk about a movie I've seen hundreds of times. That was one of my comfort watches. I saw it in the theater and, and my friend Daniel and I got the soundtrack and we would play it in our theater. We had like a free period and we would lip sync and do all the the numbers standing on tables. We... We love some Priscilla, so yeah, yeah. You're, you're, that's a great movie. Okay, well, back to the list. Here we are with your number five, and I'm wondering what grinning, glistening ghoul you imagined was gleefully gawking at your body geography.
2: Well, I guess he could be a ghoul, depending on how you felt about the recent trial, but I'm going, I got to go with, with Glenn, Johnny Depp from A Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, could have easily been number one. yeah. Easily could have been number one is just something about that fucking cut off. Yeah. Sure. Jersey, the mm. dark hair, like just fucking smoke, just a straight up smoke show in that movie. Nancy does him wrong. God damn it. Like, Nancy, <laughs> let Glenn live. Stop sending him to do your errands. You're the one who wants to fuck with Freddy Krueger.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know who Johnny Depp was when I first saw that movie, but I was just like, that guy's too good looking. I didn't, I'm distracted. <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: scared. But also that guy, this seems unfair. And and but, of course, well before he became just a walking piece of rawhide. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. His, so.
1: his run in the 80s and 90s. I mean, he was just flawless. Like he and Winona writer, I was just like, what are these people? Like, this isn't like the rest of us. Yeah. Who are these dark, pale
2: people? What yeah. are they doing?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then they put him in a movie together and I was like, this makes sense. Uh, this was, yeah, okay. Perfect. So we're almost to the top three. In the fun-loving fourth place on the list, what perverse paranormal phantom purposefully flashed their phenomenal phallus? Okay, I was drinking a little bit of sparkling rosé when I wrote this.
2: Clearly, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, number four. Another pretty predictable pick, but it's okay. Billy Peltzer, Zach Galligan from Gremlins. Oh, yeah. Just like my dark-headed Jewish boy fantasy pixie dream goy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, just like wholesome down to earth boy next door like those beautiful big eyes that dark hair he didn't really need to worry about the gremlins he needed to worry about me (laughs) that's what he needed to worry about because he was something still is still still adorable you can get me wet over here that's exactly right you can get (laughs) me wet after midnight Uh, you can feed me preferably sausage um yeah no he was just adorable in that film
1: Perfect. I think there should be new stickers for your podcast that say you can get me wet after midnight or whatever. (laughs) Absolutely.
2: Uh, Okay, second one, what you got? Number three, you mean? Oh, sorry. My number three is what I consider to be the hottest movie of the 80s. And, like, there are more hot guys per capita in this movie than maybe any other 80s movie. Mm -hmm. And I could have put literally anybody from the movie on this list. Yeah. But I went with Sam Emerson, my all-time crush, Corey Haim, in The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. Corey is my all-time, like, my first big crush, pre-JTT Jonathan Taylor Thomas. (laughs) And, yeah, I mean, I was a little bit younger than Corey Haim, but I remember just like the epitome of cool in this movie 80s cool right now he's a fucking dweeb but 80s cool the epitome of 80s cool with his weird hairdo his fucked up fashion i mean it was just i was all about it all about that Corey the hame life
1: yeah cory hame was really cool i always thought he was the coolest one of the two coreys because we you know had that succession of cory films and
2: absolutely I I agree. Like, I liked Corey Feldman. I wasn't attracted to him as a kid, but I liked Corey Feldman. But, like, yeah, Corey Haim. I think Corey Haim was a really good actor. He Mm -hmm. had the right look. Like, if no one's seen his movie Lucas from the 80s, it's incredible. Charlie Sheen and and Carrie Green. It's just a great movie. But Lost Boys was probably my first... Well, actually no lucas probably was my first exposure to corey aim but this one would have been around the same time yeah has to have lost boys on here could have easily been jason patrick right jason patrick's fucking gorgeous in that movie could sure. have easily been him but i'm i'm giving the love to corey rest in peace king
1: yeah r.i.p buddy you R.I.P. didn't didn't get a good run but that's all right uh okay that brings us up to the number two so which macho maniacs malevolent massive okay this doesn't even make sense what's your number two
2: my number two is from another franchise. It's from Friday the 13th. Again, it's from part two it is Mark Jarvis. No relation to Tommy played by Tom McBride. Basically the character in a wheelchair. Oh yeah. Um, this, you have this buff, gorgeous, dark headed fucking stud who just happens to be in a wheelchair and weirdly it makes him sexier. Mm-hmm. And he meets an untimely death. At, I think he gets an ax to the head and then goes barreling down the stairs. Yeah think i remember that hottest guy in all the friday the 13th films hands down in my opinion is mark jarvis from part two just yeah just just like a stud like out a of, stud
1: so he's he's the hottest one out of the entire franchise
2: in my opinion yeah
1: yeah okay i love that yeah i think we talk about who's the hottest person in a franchise enough we should. I like objectifying people. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're actors. They they're into that kind of yeah, thing get, anyway. Get used Pe- to it. People always do it with final girls, but I don't hear the final guy conversation happen enough.
2: And I should chime in to let people with honesty and say the reason that I don't have a more diverse list is because I, just being honest, growing up, I wasn't that attracted. So yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're a kid. Like, you know, I just wasn't attracted to non-white guys honestly when I was younger. I mean, I, now I'm attracted to everybody. Yeah. You know, as a kid, I just wasn't. I was also in, like, a a county with 0% Black population. Mm -hmm. So, like, all that informs what you kind of grow up on. So that's why you're not seeing more diversity on the list.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the small town thing. I was was the same way. People would be like, oh, I like this actress or this person. And I was like, I like Jennifer Rubin. That's it for me. So (laughs) people are like, there's all these other people. I'm like, I don't know. I I don't know what to talk. Okay, so... Well, I can't believe it, but we did it. We are at the number one spot. So please tell us who you observed and obsessed over. What's the name of this ominous, obscene undercarriage outlaw? Okay, undercarriage outlaw might be my favorite pairing. of. That's a good
2: one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I still obsess over this one. So it is... Easily my number one, like this was one of my all-time crushes, the character of Rick Johnson, played by Andrus Jones in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master. This is the lead character, Alice's brother, dark-headed, pale, everything I love, and he also does martial arts. Um, And I also did martial arts, so it was everything that I wanted in a guy at the time. And just absolutely hot in a different kind of way. But just, I think, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, I had the good fortune of having him part of a scripts Gone Wild that we did during the pandemic. And oh, so it was kind oh. of like my little, like, 10-year-old queer heart was just, like, beating through my chest. Because, yeah, I had it bad for Rick in Nightmare 4. I had it bad. I love that. Would you tell people what scripts Gone Wild is? Yeah, Scripts Gone Wild is it's on hiatus right now, but it's this event series we do. Uh, where we get a bunch of celebrities together. We read a script, but it's a drinking game as well. We raise money for different charities, and we do live shows every now and again in Los Angeles, and we'll do a virtual read every now and again, too. I uh, haven't done one in a while, but uh, we'll probably have another one coming your way probably early 2024. And is that ever put out like anywhere, like a podcast or? All of our reads or a good chunk of our reads are on YouTube. So you can go to Scripts Gone Wild on YouTube and find most of our reads there, especially the ones we did during the pandemic. That's the best way to find them. Yeah. Perfect. And I forget, what year did you
1: start doing those?
2: Started doing scripts gone wild in 2017. Okay, was our very first one. We did it at the Chattanooga Film Festival. We're taking this year off, but we do them at Fantastic Fest every year. We do a scripts gone wild, and then we do them at a lot of festivals and stuff like that. But yeah, since 2016 or 17 is when we did the first one.
0: Love that.
1: Well, there you have it. The ten horror movie guys that made Billy Ray gay. Uh, gay as, the- hell. gay <laughs> as hell. Gay as hell. Please, uh, please share where people can find you.
2: Oh, my goodness. They can find me on the socials at Billy Ray Bruton. I'm the third most famous Billy Ray in the world. God damn it. You should be able to find me. <laughs> but I'm everywhere at Billy Ray Bruton. Just use the name. It's simpler.
1: Perfect. Perfect. So Blue Sky, whatever Twitter is, Instagram, it's all there.
2: All there. All there and all sorts of nonsense for you to check out.
1: Fantastic. Well, Billy Ray, thank you so much for coming on and sharing.
2: I'm. It's always my pleasure to objectify men. Always yeah. my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Good. Until next time, I'm Dirk Marshall, and this has been VHS.